Welcome to What the If, where anything can happen or nothing. That would be a fairly boring joke. Fear the not well, fear imagine. There's another one. Not even 30 seconds into the show and already we've spawned another if for a future show. What if nothing happened? I'm not sure it's very meta, but uh, well, we have um, we have a very esteemed guest um, on today who I will bring in in a moment. That's just a little tease, and uh, our subject is going to be out of this world. I just need to get out the old, get out the cliches right away. Um, Matt Stanley, how are you? Uh, I exist, unlike certain other beings that we may be mentioning, (laughs) (laughs) but they may feel the same about you. That's probably true. There's another. There's another problem, uh, Matt. You are a uh, historian of science. This is true. I um, uh, uh, fuse together the humanities and the sciences in an, in an unholy uh, alloy of intellectual <laughs> discourse. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, and somehow I've gotten the university to pay me to do it. So yeah. Do now I, you're at NYU. Do many? I never thought about it. Do many? Is, is that a common major? No, there, there are no. It is not. <laughs> there are, there <laughs> okay. are very few. So the few, the proud. Um, yeah, yeah. Gabby Panicia is also here from Rockefeller University, where you are a virologist uh, who has recently been qualified. <laughs> yeah, I, I passed my qualifier. I am officially a PhD candidate, uh-huh. and in this ensuing week, I am uh, proving that. Uh, I think, therefore, I am is actually incorrect because I am not thinking, and as I understand, I am still here. <laughs> well, congratulations, and I know our listeners have been following along, and everyone's excited for you. That's fantastic. Um, and for those who don't know, like I'm not particularly familiar, what what is that scene like? What does that mean? So you you said you've been working for about two years, is that right, on your mm-hmm. PhD, and then so two years in, you have to come before is it like i'm, I'm just seeing a tribunal in robes and candles and like <laughs> the robes could make it a lot cooler mm-hmm. yeah, yeah no unfortunately it's just you know normal scientists and t-shirts and you know pants <laughs> um but it is essentially and actually it's funny i didn't know this until matt and i were emailing afterwards but it is all but dissertation completed so i've done my classwork i've proposed what i'll be doing for my right. thesis um and so i've have ever, essentially everything but my my dissertation done and so i have the next however long to uh, work on that and prove what I'm setting out to prove, um, or I suppose the more scientific way to say it is to support the idea that I'm pursuing (laughs) because you never prove anything in science. Um, And uh, yeah, we'll see. (laughs) I think the fact that you never proved anything, I think that may just be job security. Yeah, I mean, as a professor told me in, in one of the first classes at Rockefeller, um, you can't disprove that little goblins are not arranging everything at exactly the correct moment uh, for you to get the results that you do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, that reminds me of an amazing episode I listened to on a podcast called the Mad Scientist Podcast. Mm-hmm. And we have with us today the Mad Scientist. Is that is that correct? Chris Cogswell, one of the hosts of the Mad Scientist Podcast. How are you, Chris? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. I'm very excited. Yeah, oh, I'm, we're so glad to have you. Um, 
And are are you the mad who who is the mad scientist, or is it or is it the audience? Is it just mad scientists who should tune in? Oh, we're starting with a we're starting with an existential question. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. Oh my goodness, this uh, is hard. Is okay, it mad episode like, over later? No, mad, uh, like crazy mad or mad like angry? You know, it's funny actually. I've had we just another show did a review of ours, and someone said that Chris is mad not in the sense that he's crazy and he believes all these wacky things, but that he gets angry. Um, at people believing crazy things. (laughs) So, no, you know, we, uh, our show, we wanted to merge sort of two great loves of, of mine and my co-host Marie Mayhew's, which was, uh, the world of kind of the weird, right? These modern mythologies and folklores that exist around us, but also the world of sort of science and investigation and truth. So looking at the history and philosophy of science and pseudoscience is really, kind of the tagline for the show we try to be funny um we try our best to be funny but yeah it's a it's kind of an interesting take and look at these stories you've probably heard of before things like you know bigfoot or ufos or uh, even things like you know we did the history of surgery but we look at them in kind of an interesting way right when how is it that a science becomes uh established how does it that be a pseudoscientific idea becomes a science or those cases where science becomes pseudoscience those transitions are very interesting and i think can be very instructive especially for people who i mean right now with the time we're living in it's very hard to distinguish sometimes between science and pseudoscience so yeah it's kind of a lesson that i think we're all you know it's kind of like you know you're when you're a kid and you're well, I don't know if your I don't know if parents still do this. My parents never did this, thank God. But you hear stories of parents who like throw their baby in the water to teach them to swim or float or whatever, mm-hmm. which seems just comically reckless. But anyways, <laughs> that's sort of where we we are as a society today, right? That you know we've been thrown into the ocean of disinformation, and we have to see if we can float. Yeah. And only yeah. um, not not all of us are right now, so <laughs> it's quite interesting. Um. We had it's funny because you talk about the uh try to stay calm. We had uh, uh Mick West on our show, um, just a few episodes back, and I encourage everyone to go listen to that if you hadn't heard it before. He's a great UFO researcher, kind of giving a peek into our topic coming up in just a second. Um, but he and and Mick West, for those of you who don't know, he's he's he lives he's American now, but he, he has a British accent and he's very polite, he's the most calm polite person probably in the entire ufo world. i mean he's a skeptic mm-hmm. he, he actually does research he uses physical experiments to actually do a pretty good job at explaining as best he can a lot of things that are claimed to be mysterious especially most recently about these tic tac mm-hmm. videos that the navy's been putting out um but very polite it's just in such a model for me I, I so aspire to that and i so believe that anger and all that stuff in the ufo discussions is 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 a bad thing you know like why can't why can't we all get along um meanwhile he then appeared recently on another podcast um i was just trying to look it up Uh, oh oh okay so ken by i don't know chris are you familiar with the ken by yeah yeah yep okay so ken by um or kent by uh uh, oh, the unidentified celebrity review. So that's yeah. So it's that. yeah. It's um. It's a nut. So it's funny actually. So in UFO world, what you'll find. So I call it. I call it UFO world for lack of a better term. Yeah. Because UFOW. 
if I said what else I call it, um, I would not be allowed on a safer work podcast. <laughs> the, so, so UFO world, they, um, there's sort of, I guess there's a bunch of different camps in it, right? It really is like a, you know, if you've ever been at, um, if you've ever been at like a academic conference where, you know, two Titans of the field are politely telling each other to go kick rocks. That's kind of what it feels like all the time. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> you know, they're yeah. sort of like, you know, well, I don't think that hypothesis is justified. And well, I don't think your grad student's very good. And then suddenly, you know, everyone <laughs> gets out of know, control, fast. pushing them, yeah, pushing them apart. Right. Um, in there UFO world, there's sort of a, a distinguish. there's a, there's a, a split between very skeptical people and people who really believe. And those are kind of the two main types of voices you get out there. And, you know, on, on our show, at least, or kind of what I try to do is be in the middle. That way, nobody likes me, which is really, <laughs> really good for my psyche and everything else. So yeah. Mick is very, Mick is, it's funny. If you talk to Mick in person, he's very personal. He's very polite. Like you said, he's a great, I think he's a great guy. Yeah. But on Twitter, he comes across as just like, get the believers you know, he oh, very, you know it's okay. different it's different so people on on ufo twitter people who are kind of involved in this again it's it's almost more like being part of a music scene in high school you know they're it's become part of their identity they're ufo people you'll see people with like the red um like kind of like crosses across their uh, images right like the circle crosses like no smoking signs oh, uh -huh. mm -hmm. you'll see people with those on their uh, profile pictures on twitter and those are people who are taking a stand against government uh they, they want government disclosure of ufo science uh, or whatever uh, uh, and, and no smoking you know and no smoke i assume no smoking <laughs> i don't really know i no guess smoking. well because the papers are coming out we don't want to burn the paper. right we don't want to burn the evidence of aliens <laughs> uh and so the unidentified celebrity view is a show that's definitely in the believer, definitely in the believer camp. Yeah, I would say. And yeah. so, you know, Mick is for a lot of skeptics like myself, I can't, I can't really speak for Mick of course, but like for myself being skeptical in this field, there's a long history of people who are skeptical, who just poo poo this off the bat, you know, Oh, you believe in UFOs, you're an idiot, or we don't want to talk to you, or whatever, you're crazy. And that that works until like 60% of the public believes in UFOs. Yeah. And then suddenly they're all voting. Yeah. And believing in like you know, vaccine conspiracies. And you know, it's the analogy I gave to someone recently was it's sort of like we've we all live in this house together as a society. And the the world of ideas that we have all have to kind of commingle, and we have to have a shared set of beliefs just at the ground at the foundation, right? That truth exists, and that, mm. um, or even if truth doesn't exist, that a working reality exists that we mm. all kind of go back to. Mm -hmm. And for a big portion of the population, we've just kind of let them, we've just let that portion of the house like break. Mm. We've we've just let it rot. We've let water get in and we've let cobwebs grow and termites get in and everything else and suddenly now the parts of the house that we're using every day our government our politics our media that part is starting to like cave in because the house yeah. is damaged and 
you know, just because you don't go into the basement where all the weird stuff is doesn't mean it's not holding up the rest of your dang house. That's so, an interesting analogy. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're just, you know, it's for a long time. I kind of felt like I was chicken little, you know, oh, my God, the alien people are going to ruin our public discourse and whatever. And then like it happened. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it, it it's happened. Um, you yeah, know, everyone's this crazy is, this uncle is a politician now. It's great. Yeah, this is terrible. This is a longer discussion. But yes, I have also since I was a kid, I, you know, I learned science from Carl Sagan and I love teaching science and all that kind of stuff. And I always had this attitude that, you know, it must be important to, to help people understand what science is and evidence based and all that kind of stuff. Right. It's got to be important. But then you look around the world and you're like, well, maybe I'm just being a stuff shirt or whatever. But then it grows and, and then it sort of feels like, oh, wow, you know, this is kind of what I this is actually worse than I worried about. So yeah. um, so that brings us to our topic. And, and, and I think here's the thing I love about the show. And first of all, let, let me finish my uh, I want to I want to apologize. This is apology. I don't know if they're listening. I will send them this tape <laughs> to the folks. This, the, uh, I think it's Lewis. Right. And um, uh, is is colleagues at uh, the Unidentified Celebrity yeah, Review. Louis Louis Jimenez, um, a couple other folks at the Unidentified Celebrity Review. Yeah, yep. Unidentified Celebrity Review. Check out that show. But anyway, they, the Kent Bai, he, I, I wasn't that familiar with him. So they brought on Kent Bai and Mick West, and they kind of had what was supposed to be a debate, but really it was like an hour and a half or something of Kent Bai just like nonstop kind of attacking Mick in a somewhat friendly way. Anyway, I was so frustrated and I got so hot under the collar. You know, I then tweeted, I was like, don't watch this show. This is, th there's nothing to learn here, you know? And uh, they um, tweeted back, oh, haters gonna hate or something like that. And I just, I was like, oh my God, I'm the guy. I'm the guy. <laughs> I need a circle with a line through my face. Right. Um, so, um, Back to civil discourse. And so in that spirit, this show, but well, we've had flat earth. Well, we, yeah, we've talked, we, we do take on some of these issues, um, we, astrology, flat earth, it, and things like that over the past. And we've done a number of shows on UFOs and aliens. And, um, what I love about our, this place here is that we actually say, you know what, let's, let's go with some idea. Let's allow ourselves to imagine it and then see the ramifications. And often the ramifications actually tell you why that is a good or a bad thing if that were to happen or something. And so you, Chris, you, you came with a really wonderful idea uh, for this week. And that is, it's gonna, and it's a little counterintuitive, which I love. So what the if? Aliens. Nobody. There's no aliens. Can you imagine? There are no aliens. No, there's no, there's no, there's a, um, a passage in um, the pale blue, Carl Sagan's pale blue dot mm -hmm. essay um, in which he's, uh, he says, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but basically he says, uh, you can see in this image that uh, no one's coming to help us. Yep. <laughs> We're on our own. Yeah. And I thought that that was quite interesting. So here's the thing. What the if it was suddenly proved, not just in our minds, but in the minds of the, um, I don't want to say the most extreme. There will always be some people that will hold out no matter what. But a vast majority, what if essentially UFO world, as you described it, 
um, which is Jeremy Corbell, who's this so-called documentary filmmaker who I'd love to have on the show. Jeremy, I love you. If you're out there, I'm, I'm going I'm, as a friendly, <laughs> as a safe space. Who This guy gets an amazing amount of media attention. Um, and, uh, and, and Bob Lazar and all these guys were like, you know what? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. There are no aliens here. Whoa. Okay. What, let's just throw, let's just throw, this can be our hand, we, you know, we, in the what the if we begin and we get a little hand waving thing. So that first thing, but this, what, what might be something that could prove that? This is a weird thing, right? How do you, this is the problem with it. Yeah. Proving the, the lack of something is a, a challenging arrangement. Generally. Yeah. Yeah. Usually impossible. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they suddenly, they suddenly, you know, eat uh, statistics Wheaties or something and understand things um well so the 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 usual thing is the usual thing is uh, let's say that let's just assume that the government comes out and says we're going to open up all of the ufo files to everyone mm, mm, mm-hmm. we're just going to release everything we have this is everything we've ever noticed on this we have captured weird things in the sky but not a single one of them are UFOs. Yeah. We've never had contact with anything. There's just no evidence there. Mm-hmm. This is, this is. <laughs> right now, right. now they, there's, they, yeah, go ahead. They're calling there's a for problem disclosure. with that. Yeah, there's yeah. a problem with that because of course, if the government came out and said, even now with disclosure, whatever right. we want to say it is, even now, you know, there, there are people on Facebook groups who think that they're, you know, in contact with reptilians um, or Pleiadians or whatever, saying, you know, oh, Lou Elizondo is just a Venetian plant. Um, you know, there's always going to be people who don't believe yeah. the government or, or just continue their mythology. But, you know, let's say that the government comes out and says, listen, there's been nothing to this the entire time. And we've and we, the government, have wasted a tremendous amount of money studying this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That to me is the most interesting thing, because that's kind of the argument that skeptics have been making. You know, that these projects going back to the 60s and 50s, you know, um, the remote viewing projects and the men who stare at goats stuff and, you know, the Skinwalker Ranch hunt for the werewolves stuff and all of that, that this is all just the government being tricked by con men. Yeah. And so then what does that mean? What does that mean for these people who have become heroes to such a large part of the community? And what does it mean for people who believe these things? Yeah. Have there been things like this, Matt, where something did sort of come? I imagine it's not something that happens fast. It's slow, mm-hmm. but like where some there was a tremendous belief system that was then kind of dashed. Um, yeah, people often want to um, talk about the uh, the Columbian Exchange. That is the. Uh, after Europeans arrive in the the new world, uh-huh. there's a whole host of new plants and animals and ideas and kinds of people that that flood back to Europe. Um, and Europe had been pretty uh, confident that they had a handle on everything at that point, uh-huh. right? Like there was a like for I don't know. I'm sure I've mentioned this on the podcast before. The potato is very upsetting to lots of people because. <laughs> um, Aristotle didn't know about potatoes. So when Aristotle was describing all the different kinds of plants that were out there, there was nothing like the potato. 
So Europeans had felt for a couple of thousand years, they had a good handle on what edible plants looked like. Right. Um, and then this potato shows up and everybody kind of freaks out. Uh, you know, what do we do with this weirdo thing? Um, and people often credit the, the Columbian Exchange, as the sort of the beginning of the scientific revolution. It gets people waking up to the possibility that the world might be very different than they had thought. Interesting. Right. Also, you're reminding me of when I first learned this and then forgot and now got to learn again. This is the mm -hmm. fun part of knowledge. <laughs> Put that back in my brain that the potato did not come from Ireland, for instance. That's right. Uh, it came from the New World. And what was it that was so upsetting about it? Like, when you, like, does it go so far as a belief system or it's just there are wonders that we haven't, couldn't imagine? Uh, more along the there are wonders. Right. Um, but okay. it did not fit well into the existing classification schemes. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. I would say probably, and this is a much bigger topic, so I'll just, just dip one toe into this and then walk away very fast because it's very hot water. But, um, you know, I think the rise of science, for instance, has, you know, kind of um, taken a slow um, burn on, you know, religion and, and things like that. So there's a lot more people that um, don't you know, follow a particular belief system, perhaps because they have this other one. Um, but this I, here's here's the thing: taking taking inspiration from what you just said, what happened is the government proves reveals that all these UFOs, these Tic Tacs that they've been filming, are potatoes. <laughs> just potatoes that you know the Fair sailors enough. got a little rowdy and they were throwing potatoes around and it just became a thing. Um. And then it turns out that going all the way back, that this has been a tradition in the military, perhaps. The old potato. <laughs> Throw the old potato. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because then they, they build, they have fun with it. Like they, they, they build catapults. So it's, it's all been flying potatoes. Sure. And <laughs> the, the, great, <laughs> the great reveal of the end of 2021, when all of the world realized there are no aliens, they've all been potatoes. So... Um, what do you think there's a, there's, there's good, there are these big conventions, right? MUFON, for instance, right? Um, different UFO groups, um, that get together each year. Of course, Roswell, you know, this would be devastating for the Roswell economy. Oh, instance. the little alien would, oh yeah. my goodness, just, yep. just oh, go sorry. back to a bed and breakfast. It's not, never going to work. <laughs> yeah. No way. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think the entire um so-called cable document cable news cable documentary in uh industrial complex collapses i mean mm -hmm. you don't have shows about it, ancient aliens or modern right just all like well i guess uh, you know uh <laughs> there'll be more hitler on t on history channel maybe you know, there could maybe hardly be any more <laughs> yeah the well the interesting i think the really interesting thing with this too would be there are a, a lot of people like people joke that, you know, no one ever makes it. No one ever becomes rich as a ufologist or a UFO person mm. or whatever. Mm. And that's true. You don't make money investigating UFOs. You make money talking positively about UFOs. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> right? yeah, okay. You make money talking at these conventions. You make money, mm -hmm. um, you know, working with these people who want to give you money to, to investigate things and whatever. So, mm -hmm. you know, I think very quickly there would be a huge 
you know, I, I almost think about it similar to the, and this didn't happen very quickly, but the collapse of witchcraft trials and the collapse of sort of demonology and witchcraft itself is sort of a, a serious field of study, right? That uh, yeah. you still had pockets of it, of course, but but essentially those works and those people and the atrocities that were committed in the name of witchcraft persecutions, um, society had to kind of deal with that somehow. You yeah. know, society had to come to terms with that. And so there were questions about, well, who was ethically responsible for this? Was anyone responsible? Should there be, you know, and so I think that although, you know, we think we joke that there's, you know, you know, a lot of folks, when they think about UFO believers or whatever, they think, well, a sucker's born every minute and, mm. you know, a fool at his money are quickly parted and whatever. Right. But these mm-hmm. are, these are real people who are being harmed. <laughs> right. Like there are people going to the desert to be cured by aliens. Yeah. Yeah. And these are cancers. some of the, the other thing is uh, really is, I've you know, been to a number of these conventions. They're just some of the nicest people. They're very nice. Yeah. And we, we share so much. I mean, just the only difference is they come down on the side of actually believing it, but then sort of being fascinated and getting excited about wondering what exists. We all share, you know, right. We, we all so, go to the same movies, you know, <laughs> so. right. Well, we, we, we watch the same science fiction. We have yeah. the same interests. So, yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the question, right? So what, what happens then to these people like, you know, David, uh, Corey Good and David Wilcock, who are essentially cult leaders or Stephen Greer or, uh, or, or uh, Lou Elizondo or, yeah. um, Corbell. you know, uh, Giorgio Sukalis on the History Channel. The, the Like mm. you said, the History Channel, right. if it comes out that all of this has been mythology, then these are people that have been spreading disinformation for how long has Angelians been on the air for? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like that, actually, they began in the time of the pyramids. That's how long. Yeah, you know, <laughs> right. They've been doing the they're same like, seven episodes. Yeah. yeah, they're not getting new ancient monuments. How is there still a new series of, of ancient aliens on? It doesn't make any sense. Although, to, to, to be fair, it is employing some friends of mine and family members. So, okay, I'm sorry. I, I, listen, it's all right. It's, no, it's all good. It's, it's good stuff. It's fun. Right. That's the thing, fun. though, right? Yeah. It's fun until yeah. you think. Like I remember, I went to a, I went to UFO con, uh, I went to a UFO conference once, but not really a conference. It was like a local meeting, right? And you know, they introduced me as like, oh my god, look, we have a scientist here, and you know, everyone's all excited and asked me questions or whatever. And then one guy got up and was like, "Well, you must, you must know then about the Mayans getting destroyed by a nuclear weapon." what (laughs) and like i was like what are you talking about and then this guy and this guy was like a former you know former um former military well you know i'm sure very capable in his career and smart and whatever and you know this is some 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 you know um this isn't someone going through like a mental health crisis or something right it's just like just you know your your dad or uncle or aunt or whatever um yeah telling me about the Mayans getting destroyed by a nuclear weapon and how there's all this evidence and I should really look into it because clearly I haven't done my research. Clearly. If I don't think it's true. Yeah. Gabby, what do you think happens? Um, So let's say you're in New York and the news, like on Times Square, the old, the big jumbotron in Times Square. I just realized here, here's something else. Here's something actually that might, might actually have a reasonable chance of doing such a thing. Um, Plug in my computer. Um, the government the aliens unplugged my computer they thought they'd get me that um 
the government, you know, what if it, I, this is actually, I think, a decent possibility of actually happening. The government says, you know, we're in the mode of right now spending enormous amounts of money. And uh, I could totally imagine, you know, part of that being they actually give a lot of money to UFO research, right? And they actually go out and do it. I, I could imagine that being done. Um, maybe we're even going down that road, you know, if it actually gets done and enormous amounts of money are spent and enormous amounts of work are done, which I actually think would be cool. I mean, um, and after a while, I think people would get, they'd be like, okay, all right, it's enough. The trillions of dollars spent, you know, we haven't found anything, right? Um, that could possibly happen. So, so the, so they come out, they just say, uh, the, whoever the president is at the time um, goes on the jumbotron all, all over the world. But imagine a scene in Times Square, Gabby. You're you're out for your morning walk, and uh, there he is, and he says, "You know, we're canceling the program. It's there's no aliens." Well, it's funny. I mean, of course, except I for you guys we're... down in Times Square, some of you were. <laughs> Well, I'm sure, first of all, that, you know, conspiracy theories are remarkably plastic. I think the first yeah. thing that would happen is that, uh, yeah. oh, they're lying. This is a cover-up. Yeah. That they made all this fake data to prove that there are no aliens so they could better hide that there are aliens because they've been scared of how, you know, we're getting too close to the truth. Because, you know, I've watched enough X-Files to know how that, you know, spike <laughs> goes. Um but if, if it's somehow proved beyond a shadow of a doubt, I think it would be a very interesting thing culturally uh, because, you know, aliens are a huge culture, you know, thing. I, I, can't, I can't even mm -hmm. count how many books I've read that include stuff like that. And I think you would wind up getting a huge movement in at least, you know, art of the existentialism of yeah. we are alone. Um, and so, you know, you always see themes whenever there is some big... I don't want to necessarily say social upheaval, but sometimes an important movement in science that does affect the way we interact with our world. So, for example, climate change, um, mm -hmm. stuff like that has become, you know, it's a huge theme in literature. Mm -hmm. um, conservation, I, I always think of uh, Annihilation in that series uh, by Jeff Vandermeer. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think it would profoundly change at least our culture for, for the next while of, of, you know, realizing, oh, all right, okay, well, maybe we're alone in the world. And actually, what was the military doing with all those potatoes? Um, <laughs> right. What a waste of potatoes. Why is our potato budget so high? What is happening? What a thousand dollar potato. You know, actually, Gabby, you make a you make a really interesting point. One of the things that happens with a lot of these stories, right? So let's like look at, for example, again, we can look at say witchcraft and demonology. Hmm. In the very earliest times when we were thinking about the ability, you know, demons being out there or whatever affecting the world around us. We started off by saying that they were supernatural, right? That they, so supernatural means something very specific. It means that they are above nature. So they are mm. actually able to break the laws of nature, right? So they could, you know, um, go through walls and, you know, whatever, right? They just break the natural laws. But then with, with kind of the rise of really kind of Christianity, kind of Judeo-Christian belief systems, Philosophers came out and said, well, actually, no, it can't be supernatural because only God is supernatural, right? God sets what is natural. And so and nothing can be above God. Otherwise, then we have two deities and then we have, right, we have a problem. And so these things must be preternatural. So they are, they're natural, but they're just better or stronger or faster or smarter than we are. 
So for example, as opposed to say the demon or, or witch or whatever flying, you know, transporting through the wall, through something solid, they're just so quick that they can run uh, in the room <laughs> and it appears that they're coming through the wall. Yeah. Right. So they're still natural, but they're just super fast or super smart or whatever. Yeah. And then when it started to become clear that like, well, actually, no, nothing is really preternatural. We have no evidence for anything like that, whatever. Demons started to become, well, maybe they're just natural, but these are just bad people poisoning their neighbors, <laughs> right? Mm. Or, mm. or whatever. Mm. And over time, what happens is science kind of grows, the sphere of our knowledge grows, the place for the supernatural, the place for the paranormal shrinks. And so that's why, for example, with like ghost hunting shows today, they're not looking for ghosts by like doing, you know, looking for full bodied apparitions. They're looking for electronic signals. Uh, Wouldn't it be terrible if wait, that the is ghosts, the only evidence for ghosts we ever get? That the what, what, ghosts are electronic waves. Who cares? Oh, that's you know, <laughs> I'm going to point out my favorite thing that I've ever seen on a ghost hunting show because my friends and I got really into ghost adventures. It was a great drinking game. Uh, the Xbox <laughs> Connect as a method. Oh my God, the Connect. The Connect. Oh, Wait, tell us Ridiculous. about this. The Xbox Connect is essentially, it was a motion tracking software that would plot like a human being's body. So you would stand right. in front of it and it would, you know, figure out where the bounds of your bodies were. And then it you would move to interact with the game. So, for example, if you were playing a dancing game, it would match how closely your movements matched whatever the dance was uh, in order to score you or, some, or or things along those lines. Um, well, you, you didn't have to hold like a Wii controller or something. No, I, I don't think you did. You. It just saw you. Yeah. Right. And I, like I, a heat, was, heat sensor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was something like this for, for PlayStation also that, you know, had its own, like PlayStation 2. Mm -hmm. um, and so they decided to repurpose Xbox Connects for ghost hunting in which they would set it up looking down a long, creepy hallway. And of course, as we've talked about before, actually with, with Mick West about radar, is that, you know, software is doing its best to guess, much like the human mind. Um, mm -hmm. And so sometimes it will put a human figure standing someplace because it knows to expect a human figure because that is right. what the Connect is built to do. Right, that's and right. So you oh, watch the ghost shows and they're like, and we see an apparition appear at the edge of this hallway. Look at how fast it's moving and doing a threatening dance. And it's just the Xbox Connect having a seizure, trying to imagine. <laughs> right, right. Or, or, or the ghost is dancing to Rasputin. Yeah, right? yeah, that's too. having a great time. <laughs> yeah. The See, that, and that's the thing that, that's what ends up happening is before, like, so pseudoscience, like, I, I'm sure you've all heard of, like, uh, Kuhn's scientific, you know, the structure of scientific revolutions, right? This sort of idea of how science changes historically. Pseudoscience sort of goes through similar cycles. Huh. But what happens is, whereas science gets bigger and so it can explain more, pseudoscience gets smaller and explains less because science has gotten so big that it's taking up all the air in the room. So just like today, you start to see around like the 50s and 60s and 70s, because the idea of like things coming into your home and taking you out of them, that's been around since we've started. We've been writing. You know, it's the one thing the ancient aliens mm -hmm. people get right. Um, they just think that it means it's real as opposed to like a social construct. But so what we end up having then is now there are a lot of people who think aliens aren't even physically real. Right. That's right. They're ultra dimensional or ultra they're ghosts or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know? God. Yeah. And so, mm -hmm. again, they, their place, their, their, their kind of power to explain things shrinks. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it will keep shrinking. And so I'm sure soon, you know, and you have people like on Skinwalker Ranch, they're just doing ghost hunting for aliens. Yeah. Right. So it all shrinks to the same thing until finally it, it eventually it always becomes just Descartes demon. Or like Gabby said at the at the beginning, um, I think even before we were recording, it just always becomes little gremlins changing your sensors. Yes. Yeah. You know, it <laughs> always yeah. becomes yeah. a little gremlins. That's it's right. always gremlins. Yeah. Yeah. You got to get them in the microwave. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. And I, I uh, edited a documentary about UFOs with uh, ABC News some years ago. And um, one of their, and it was a good, it was really good investigatory and, you know, debunk, a lot of debunking, a lot of interesting. And you learned a lot about the psychology of belief as well as, you know, what explains these lights or whatever. Um, and uh, one chapter <laughs> that I was, there were two editors and I was given the honor of, uh, we split up the, the acts, as they call them, the different part, different chapters. And I got the one on abduction, um, which turned out to be quite fascinating. But mm. uh, there's this, there was a uh, kind of revered um, doctor at Harvard. And, you know, whenever, poor Harvard, or, or, or I don't know if they like this or don't like this, but like, you know, you put Harvard on it and suddenly it's like, oh my God, it mm. must be real. Um, John Mack was his yeah. name, and apparently he was really kind of beloved. He seemed like a special person, but um, he he would have like group therapy sessions and and uh, things. I'm not sure if he used hypnosis directly, but anyway, he would talk to a lot of people who mm -hmm. claimed to have had abduction. Now they call them experiencers, right? That abduction experience, and and he, I, I don't, I can't go that far, and I don't know exactly how far he went, but my impression was that he sort of said. He felt, you know, maybe something's going on here. Like this became an, a thing that he could investigate because the people would come to him. And so he gave the possibility. He said, well, it's in the mind, but perhaps the mind is able to sense some other dimension or something like that. Anyway, and that's as far as he went. But yeah, it was the same kind of thing of like, we would just go into this complete woo-woo, you know? Yeah. Like, Right. I realize we've like, we've completely decimated the structure of your show normally. <laughs> it's but, um but I'm, I'm having fun. I'm okay, having this a great is absolutely time. fascinating. So here's yeah. here's the thing. Philo as philo I was just thinking about that. So as a philosopher, all of you are philosophers. We're all philosophers <laughs> at some point. But uh, Chris is actually trained. Um, how here's when you so Chris, you, you and I were emailing, and I said, "What I what what's an if you'd like to pursue?" And then you mentioned this, right? Well, what if what if there actually are no aliens? Honestly, my instant reaction was like, I imagined that moment and I was full of just like disappointment. And I realized, you know, what if there's no candy? Yeah, what right if here? it's absolutely proven? Well, there's like no debate, right? It's also almost like the debate is over. And I realized that um, even though I totally believe that to be the case, that there are no actual aliens visiting here, um, the actual like just boom the reality of it coming into being and just wiping that entire thing away caused me and i think would cause a lot of people even who already believe this like i said you suddenly have to deal like it's made much 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 more real just like when we actually discover things right um you know all those things you imagine like electromagnetic waves or something now this could be a positive thing right but we imagine actually turn here it is it's real or here's the higgs boson right suddenly it's like wow we can it just changes everything because you can you have yeah. to deal with that as a rock of being so the idea that there are no in fact i, I i'm going to go so far as to say and i like to do this at the end go a thousand miles an hour um there's no life anywhere else 
nowhere. Uh, we, you know, somehow discover that, right? What does that do? How does that affect people? Matt we, or Chris? Matt, no, no Matt, Matt, go. I thought you were asking me, Matt. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, you know, we, uh, a lot of people are unhappy and disappointed, right? Um, I could imagine it uh, uh, deals a serious blow to um, funding of space exploration and oh, astronomy wow. in general, right? That's why I, I mean, was disappointed. Yeah, I mean, there's this, uh, you know, no one really thought the Hubble was going to spot aliens, um, but the general sense that the universe is an exciting and inhabited place where we can go meet our neighbors um, fuels a lot of the enthusiasm uh, for these sorts of projects. That's really interesting. It's a really good point. Nobody wants to just go visit. It's like it's like finding out that your road trip will just end in you visiting a parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's just terrible. There's just not a even a, there's no restroom. There's no, no rest there's area. not even a Burger King. It's just a parking <laughs> lot. That's terrible. Gabby, how do you how do you feel? We're, we're here all we're all here on Earth, and there's absolutely no life anywhere else in the universe. Yeah, I mean, I guess. The math always, you know, you think, oh, it would suggest that there has to be more, but I guess someone has to be first, right? You know, right. somewhere mm-hmm. out there that would be one the, of the arguments. Yep. life in the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as a biologist, there's a part of me that's like, oh my God, that's so disappointing because, you know, the concept of learning an entirely new branch of evolution, of, of learning the way that things have evolved and come into being on other planets would be tight as hell. Um, however... <laughs> Admittedly, this, of course, gives me the the prompt idea of, all right, if we're the only life in the universe and we can prove that, we should be putting it everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, then this becomes the, oh, I guess, sort of, you know, I'm sure there'd be a sort of, um, like, a preservation group that would not want us to do this. But I think it'd be cool to just, you know, send a panel of bacteria and an asteroid to hit a planet, you know, a couple star systems away from us and you know, look back in a couple million years and be like, oh, hey, we did that. Um, <laughs> but maybe that's just the the human sharing is caring sort of thing. We want to send our microbes somewhere else. Be like, look, you have them now too. Uh, you know, it's, I'll say the, uh, the great philosopher, uh, Elon Musk, um, <laughs> <laughs> he actually he actually has an interesting thought. Like his, one thing he said was his motivation for, you know, wanting to encourage uh, life to get beyond Earth is... Um, he says, we don't know whether consciousness exists anywhere else. You know, we, we're, we can be pretty certain that, you know, the math tells us there's microbes. But as far as intelligence, you know, we really don't know, right? Um, and anyway, we may or may not ever find out. Um, but he said he just felt if conscious, consciousness is clearly something special and rare. And so, A, spreading it throughout the universe just seems like a good thing. And B, like it, it enriches the idea, like what happens conscious, as consciousness begins to experience the universe, it's, it evolves in an incredible way. And also the idea of survival, that, you know, the earth won't last forever and stuff. So, um, yeah, I find that pretty interesting. Um, Chris, how about you? Oh, go I was going to say to build off yeah. that, I, I suppose yeah. in a way, and this doubles back to the, some of the aliens or ghosts, things that we were talking earlier, how well would we recognize an alien consciousness? I think about this yeah. is explored by some some books like The Expanse, which I've talked up a trillion times in this. Um, you know, it's possible that whatever alien life that we are experiencing or not experiencing might be very, very, very different from our own to a degree in which we're 
just don't know how to comprehend it. But that's right. It, and likewise, funny, actually, they don't notice that we're here. Yeah. <laughs> they just take our, hey, this rock looks good. This marble looks cool. Mm-hmm. It's funny, actually. We had a, so we've, we've talked about that on the show a huge amount, right? Because there's, oh. there's a quote I love from Wittgenstein that it's in it's in German initially, and so I'm just not even going to attempt that. But the the basically translation is: if a lion could speak, we could not understand him. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. even on our own planet, the consciousness of other things is so different. Yes, right. Just think about the way that a you know there's another philosopher of science, um, Ruth Garrett Milliken, who talks about how has kind of evolutionary how has evolution affected the growth of consciousness in in humans? And one of the things she talks about is that animals, just if you look at the way that an animal responds to sort of um, external stimuli, they seem to have kind of a if then way of thinking about things. So in other words, if it's raining, then I hide. If I'm hungry, then I hunt. If it moves, then I bite. Right. They have it's sort of like a it's a mechanic, mechanical Mm. kind of process, sort of like a simple robot. Uh But for humans, we have a we have the ability to kind of step away from that so we can we can cognate and kind of think about why would I do that? Right. Is there a better way to get out of the rain? Is there a better way to hunt? Is there a better. Right. So we don't we don't have these sort of like stimuli response. You know, we can we can think back to those things. And she makes the case that that's the real disparity there between these consciousnesses. And so if you think about like animals, if animals do have consciousness, of course, which I, I think there's, you know, um, some discussion good evidence about. to think that they probably do have some version of it. Mm-hmm. Would we even be able to understand, say, the world of a dog, an animal that's pretty mm-hmm. close to us, you know, in terms of like our society and everything else and, you know. Could we even understand that? I don't really think we could. Well, so I mean, forget, that's the point of, you know, Tom Nagel's classic essay, What Is It Like to Be a Bat? Exactly. Yes. Um, uh, really makes the strong case that uh, even something as close to us as a bat, or it's another mammal, uh, similar experiences of the world, uh, we essentially could not understand its experience. Um, so, yeah, the conscious rock that we discover on Proxima Centauri, forget it, right? Right. We're, we're probably in trouble there. We had a, and we actually ended up having a very cool interview with a, uh, with an exobiologist who works for SETI. Oh, um, Paul. And one of the things he said, which really just blew my mind completely was, um, I had always thought, or I had always kind of considered that if there are aliens out there, they must be so different from us physically and mentally. Right. That that's that would be the big difference. Right. That they're they're probably like, you know, big blobs of goo or something or they have tentacles or like a million mouths or whatever. Yeah. And his argument actually was that that's probably not true. They probably <laughs> do look like us um, <laughs> because and then they probably have similar even like like one example he gave was oxygen, the presence of them breathing oxygen. Right. And the reason he gave again, blew my mind. I'm going to, when I'm 80 years old <laughs> in an alien nursing home, I will be telling this story and being like, this guy blew my mind. Um, he basically said, you know, why do we think an alien planet needs oxygen? And everyone, everyone, I want everyone to guess, go around the room and guess. <laughs> well, but just, that okay. would just be that if you're looking for life like us, you would think it, Okay, so you think it's you think it's because we're looking for like life like us that we expect? 
Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's a guess. Okay. Yeah. Matt. Uh, it's uh, just a really uh, efficient um, energy storage pathway. Uh, okay. <laughs> Matt's guess, Gabby. I was going to double down on that and also coupled with the fact that it's actually pretty good for like molecular structure stuff. Okay. All right. So Matt and Gabby are closest. Matt, you, Matt, you basically have it, actually. That's basically the case. Combustion. Yeah. Uh, if they com- Oxygen is the only gas that will allow for combustion hot enough that you can melt and use metal. Interesting. So if they have a technology and they're using metal, which we expect they probably would have to, otherwise they're working with a very small, you know, flying here in tree ships or whatever, um, they need oxygen as, the, as an atmos- a large percentage of their atmosphere. They need their atmosphere to be almost purely oxygen. Right. Again, my mind was just like, Burr! well, yeah. How <laughs> else? You, I was like, oh my god. How so else cool. do you get the Valerian steel? You I'm telling that. you, right? Yeah. You need that mm-hmm. oxygen. Otherwise, no dragons. Nothing. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, that is. Oh, and who was the um, the scientist? Was he the one who um, wrote, wrote the book? Uh, there's a book that a study scientist wrote called I think it's called Lonely Earth or Lonely. It, the idea was, what if Earth is the only place um, in the universe. I don't know if it was him. Yeah, no. So he, um, so, uh, oh my goodness. God, I've got to look up his name quickly. Hold on. That's all right. Um, in the meantime, um, I'll, I'll leave us with one, one other horrifying, interesting, spooky thought that, and this is a possibility, that we eventually discover aliens and they are us. Right. Like there, that's another theory, even about the UFOs that or time travelers or whatever. It's like, you know, if we just get to that point of being able to do that, we would come back here possibly. Um, or it could just be that we, you know, discover um, that uh, we, it panspermia or something like that, that humans have been colonized the galaxy. And, you know, we were just, we're just new, new babies on the scene, um, but they've been going out and they are just like us and everything. Um, it's still interesting to think if they were only like us and we were the only species or something like that, it'd be kind of bizarre. But so Gabby, how do you, how do you feel when you hear, um, you got the news? How do you personally feel in Times Square? Um, just quick. So I, oh, sorry, I forget, go ahead. his name yeah. is professor Abel Mendez. Oh, okay. he's amazing. Right. And his work is super cool. Anyways. Fantastic. Yeah. Abel Mendez, check him out. So Gabby, uh, you just got the news. You, um, Job prospects for biologists have been limited, I suppose, to the Earth. Yeah, the, the exobiology field has unfortunately been a little, uh, yeah, a little guillotined by this news. Yeah. Um, I guess personally, yeah, I'd be pretty bummed. I mean, I'm not the kind of person who expects us to have found alien life on Mars or but the moons of Jupiter, or, you know, in my lifetime. Uh, but it definitely is a sort of idle fantasy of, I think, most biologists of what life would look like on other places. I've talked yeah. about, you know, that down to a DNA level, the nucleotides um, that they might use could have been completely different. Uh, so, for mm. example, us, part of the reason why we're prone to cancer is that we have nucleotides that oxidize fairly easily. But because life evolved when there wasn't much oxygen, that's why we have what we have. So the dynamics of another planet could have completely wow. shaped what we think of as the most foundational bits of life and, and in a completely different way. And so there's, you know, like I said, the molecular biologist part of me that's losing my mind over how cool <laughs> that would be. Um, who's going to be a little bummed? But then, you know, there comes the thought of, all right, what now? Um, and so I think whatever I grab onto next, 
uh, to maintain my sanity, perhaps, uh, I think would be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Matt? Um, I'll have to change up my syllabi. Um, uh, lots that's of, a tragedy uh, right there. That's, that's yeah. a- I don't know if Hollywood is going to have to change up its um, sci-fi offerings or not. I guess there are no... Interesting. Maybe yeah. they have to move certain things from sci-fi to fantasy. Um, yeah. But uh, I can't imagine we'll stop imagining what alien life would be like, even if uh, we're sure it doesn't exist, right? Yeah. I mean, we do spend time talking about dragons, even though we're pretty sure they're not around. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, yeah. In fact, more time. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually pay extra to watch television, <laughs> which is which could be free. We will pay to watch the dragons. Um, I think it would leave us with kind of a bizarre thing because like suddenly the uniqueness of the life would be so extraordinary and completely out of bounds of the math, right? I mean, that's the thing that what does that mean? You know, that that really begins to make the existence of life very strange, right? Mm. Extreme, like the yeah, uniqueness of it would be unbelievable yeah. I, I think you know? for a lot of for a lot of people you ufos aliens etc has become kind of a an easy replacement for religion mm-hmm. and sort of spiritualism and spirituality mm-hmm. and that's why you have groups like you know um well you know like for example uh you know to the stars academy and this group that's now kind of trying to lobby the government to do this research work um, you know, also publishing books with like occultists, right? Like Peter Lavanda, um, because it is spiritual. It's very linked to spirituality. Yeah. And so I actually think that if we, if one of the things that would happen to us as a society is a lot of these people would be sort of left without a religion. And so I think that we would actually probably see quite negative consequences, um, to some people's kind of lives, you know, just because again, they're sort of, it's, it's like the government coming out and saying there is no God, mm-hmm. right. It's a very, very rough <laughs> thing. Right. And I also think frankly, we <laughs> I'd would love to hear government. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right? Been governments yeah. that have done that and some are still around. So. Yeah, but, no, yeah. sure. You're right. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, you know, when, when president Oprah comes on TV and <laughs> there is no, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I am God. <laughs> oh yeah. boy. Yeah. Check um, under your seat. Yeah. Everyone's getting a tax write off. <laughs> um, I do think that it would be, and that's the, the other part of this that's so funny is you with UFO people, they often talk about, you know, the government doesn't want us to know cause we'd all go crazy. And, you know, I think if anything, it's, if you look at the way that disinfo and misinformation spreads through these communities, if anything, people believing in UFOs or believing in these things, probably really useful for some people. You know, if if, if yes. bad actors wanted sure. to take advantage of this propaganda yes. tendency, oh, yeah. yep. Um, yep. it's great, right? Yep. So, you know, it would be it would be fascinating. And and yeah, I do I, you you all bring up some really good points though. I had never I had never considered really the effect it would have on sort of biology and on just space industry in general, you know? Yeah. It's kind of fascinating. But I also, one other thing I do think that might be very beneficial to it would be 
if we find out that we're all that's there, hopefully we would start taking better care of uh-huh. ourselves and each other. Yeah, that would yeah. be nice. Yeah. You know, that's I mean, interesting. Yep. The recently having every billionaire in the world shoot up their you know phallic rockets into space um you know like if there was nothing there to study or if there were no aliens or there was no reason to go up there i would hope at least one billionaire would be like maybe we'll feed the poor you know like maybe, maybe kind of think you know yeah. just the thought just the yeah. thought it doesn't have to be a nice meal but just yeah. something yeah. Or as or as a society, we all succumb to the deepest of the Douglas Adams style nihilism and begin to leave random and inexplicable things scattered around the galaxy just to mess with whatever aliens may have been. Right. Yeah. There's a, <laughs> right. Yeah. There's a, a piano floating around yeah. or something. Yeah. Like yeah. There's already a sports car. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. so That's true. All yeah. of the galaxy filled with a Tesla shot into space and a fake. Yeah. 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 I think ultimately, here's the thing. I think we could also go, it all go full circle. Because every, you know, we began, humanity began thinking we were definitely the only ones in the universe, right? right. And that's mm-hmm. where all our religions came from. So I imagine that would come back, you know, um, perhaps in a big way, uh, which you know, could be good or bad. There could also be people be like, oh, my God, we're the only ones. Then we need to, uh, I need more room, you know, and then they start invading each other and things like that. Uh, <laughs> basically, we wind up as we are. It all comes from okay, that. nothing actually. That's, yeah. well, that, that's the other thing that's so funny. Humanity about this. has there's nothing you can do to humanity. It will always regress to the mean, and I mean mean, <laughs> very very mean. <laughs> it's it's one of those things that's like you know you people scientists and science communicators and folks ask like well why doesn't the public really care about climate change? Uh, and the answer is because it hasn't affected them yet. Now yeah. it's starting to yes. right. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes. Um, I remember when I was in grad school, which was feels like a million years ago, but wasn't all that long ago the the thing i would always give it talks on climate change was or, or my research work involved capturing carbon so i always it started off by climate change was i would say you know you might not think it's affecting you but the price of lobster has gone up like a 500 percent because they're not breeding <laughs> right? and i'm in new england so people would be like yeah. <gasps> you know like a shocked silence across the room that <laughs> yeah. lobster might not be available soon yeah um, now That's it's really good. starting to affect real people, every you know, everyday people in, in other parts of the country and the world. Yeah, it's become a real issue. You know, I ha- I've had people tell me that until you know, until the UFOs can come down and like you know, take industrial manufacturing jobs away from people in like rural Ohio, <laughs> that <laughs> Americans will not care. You know what right. I mean? Like they're right. not because they, mm-hmm. because it doesn't affect you, right? So yeah. who cares? But of course we do care. The some of us care. Yeah. Well, oh, that's I'm, a good I'm, standard. Like I'm that. looking forward yeah. to that. I think that that I could see the Michael Moore movie where he comes and, you know, talks about how corporate America is selling out to the aliens. Yeah. Bowling <laughs> for Jupiter. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Moore in a robot body. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, Chris, thank you. This has been a, a really awesome, really awesome discussion. It's so good to have you. Um, and I, I uh, refer everyone to go from, find more Chris and uh, Emery at... Um, the Mad Scientist Podcast. How can people find you? So you can find us on Twitter at Mad Scientist Pod. Um, we're on Instagram. We're Facebook everywhere. Um, the Mad Scientist Podcast.com. And all of your favorite podcast players, we are the Mad Scientist Podcast. Our logo is the one with jack-o'-lanterns in it, so it's easy to find. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, it's a really, really great show. And you, you guys have such uh, good discussions. Um, love to have you back. 
and uh, tell Maria anytime she wants to come as well. I think it'd be great to have you guys. Yeah, we'd love to be back. Yeah. Um, Gabby, anything you'd like to plug? Ma- nope. Should we be wearing masks again? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess as a, a general update, uh, if you are a person currently existing in the world in 2021, <laughs> yeah. uh, you are watching cases of the Delta variant spike. As always, I'm going to plug, get vaccinated. It does not make you magnetic. The government did not implant a tracker in your arm. It is seriously just one of the coolest inventions of science in the modern era. And it makes it so that, uh, you know, you, you're basically safe. Although Delta's been all right in breaking through sometimes, but at least it won't kill you now. Um, yeah. So go back to wearing masks. It's it's sort of a, you know, help limit the spread. And if you're a vaccinated person, at least you wear a mask and you're like, all right, I'm still safe no matter what. Uh, if you're unvaccinated, bar none, you should have been wearing a mask this entire time and also yeah. get the jab. <laughs> yeah. It will not make you magnetic, but it does take away your magnetic powers. I have found that. Uh, that's yeah, I find all that news actually disappointing because I would love to have, you know, give me the yeah, I want superpowers. I won't have to carry my phone anymore. I'll just, you know. My friends nope. and I have been joking that the, the 5G is excellent. My internet is yeah. service is fantastic. <laughs> so now. Right. Yeah. See, that's a, that would be a plus. Or, or let's just say, you know, what happens to all these people who want miracles? A miracle actually shows up on this planet and people don't want it. You know. um, Matt, anything you would like to plug? No, things are pretty quiet for the next month or so. All right. Let's hear it. Let's praise the quiet. It's very quiet because we are the only living beings in the entire universe. You could hear a pin drop if anyone could hear in space, which they can't. So it's even worse. Nothing's happened. Nothing's happened. You're the only one. Enjoy it. On the other hand, enjoy, you know, the peace. It's all, it's all good. Um, As Carl Sagan said, no one's coming to help us. On the other hand, Stephen Hawking might have said, no one's coming to bother us. Yes, be glad. Yeah. Which he did not believe, but yeah, if he believed it, so it'd be great. Um, Chris, I'm not sure if you're aware of, well, you, you said you listened before. Do you know about our ritual, our closing ritual? We, we, um, uh, Gabby, could you explain? And to those, yeah. who are, those who are listening, everyone who has listened before, and you know this is coming, start warming up your pipes, do your, your little voice exercises, do re mi fa so And what do we do now, Gabby? What's happening? As we sit here and stare at the vast emptiness of a lifeless universe, we are forced only to consider, you know, what new ifs will continue to assail us. Uh, and so you are welcome to join in with us as we cannot help but to scream the name of the show uh, as we ponder this. So and if you will join us. Yes. What? No! for tuning in everybody check out the mad scientist podcast and uh, you can find more about our show what the if.com all our episodes are there and you can subscribe so the ifs come to you we are on twitter i wait for the downbeat uh we're on twitter what the if show find us there we're also on facebook and uh, we have a little bit on instagram but i'm working on that um Have a great week, everybody. Get your vaccination. And remember, if safely. Thank you. See you next week.